Welcome back to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. It's I Love Basketball. I'm here, Sabrina, with a new co-host for the week. Now that Sasha has uh, left our little network, I'm really happy that Christian Rivas has decided to join me for today. What's up, Christian? What's up? I have so many jobs, and I, <laughs> whenever there's an opening anywhere, I have to apply. And here you are with me now, because you had an opening, and I had to swoop in. So, sorry, Sasha, you're still... You're still the best co-host. Or the uh, you and Sa- <laughs> how do I put this? <laughs> Sabrina and Sasha are the best hosts the show has ever had. I am merely just filling in for the time being. Well, I'm very happy to have you because a solo pod would have been a little depressing. Oh yeah, I've done one when Jacob abandoned me one time because uh, I couldn't get a host in time, and it was it was miserable. I I feel so bad for anybody that listened to that pod. <laughs> well. Luckily for us, we do not have to do a solo pod, and even more fortunate, basketball is kind of starting again. Yeah. Maybe this week? This week? Yeah. Yeah. So, if you're listening to this, it's Friday, and that means that it's Lakers Media Day, which we can kind of unofficially say is the start of the 2019-20 season. I'd so, yay. say so. Yeah. The Lakers are back. <laughs> starting Starting today, Friday, would be... The official start of my work year, which if in if if all goes well, this won't end. My workload won't end until June. Actually, yes, no, so I'm sorry. Free season <laughs> <June. in> July. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, no, but the the chaos doesn't end for us until mid August. See, see, I thought you were being optimistic because like you thought the Lakers are going to play until June. Yeah, <laughs> Not yeah, that you no. were ignoring Brady. Yeah, no, that's what I was that's what I was getting at, but yeah, no, July. Jesus. Well, well, I mean, I've been covering the WNBA during the offseason, so it, it really uh, basketball never stops. <laughs> yeah, you're I, I was going to say you're like an actual WNBA player. It's no offseason. <laughs> no keep off going. Season. Yeah. Yeah, the Sparks played their last game on Sunday, so which you was know, just a couple of days to yeah. to bask in not having anything. <laughs> <laughs> Which is God. That game frustrated me so much. I'm sure as somebody that was there covering the team, I just can't imagine being in that building and watching Candace Parker play so few minutes for like really no warranted reason. Yeah, I mean the Candace thing is getting like a lot of pushback because she's such a big name and Derek Fisher is such a big name, but I ultimately don't think it meant anything meaningful to the outcome of the game like right. Connecticut was just much better mm. and they played better and the fact that the Sparks lone home game in the series was in Long Beach which is a terrible arena for a professional <laughs> basketball game let me I tell bet. you yeah yeah, yeah I, I, my back I had, hurt from that makeshift media row that I had to sit in ugh, I can't even imagine I I watched the Sparks play at um, Pasadena City College one time a preseason game there Mm. Yeah, the uh, the media section there wasn't wasn't fantastic either. But shout out to PCC where I got my uh, my associate's degree in journalism. Look how cool. far we've come. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I guess moving on from the Sparks, it's too bad. I was really hoping to cover the finals this week. Same. Anyway, yeah, that would have been a long shot, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Lakers Media Day is today, and I wanted to talk to you, Christian, if you have any last lingering Lakers questions about what we're going to see for the start of the season. Oh, I have a whole bunch of questions. It's it's so funny. When I got NBA 2K20 mm-hmm. 
like I was very excited to play with the team. I was like, hell yeah, we have Anthony Davis now. We got, I mean, that's it. We got Anthony Davis yeah. and LeBron James. <laughs> and that's what I realized once I started playing 2K. I was just like, oh, no. This roster isn't nearly as deep or as talented <laughs> as I thought it was, even with 2K's generous rankings. Um, I don't know. I The biggest question to me, Sabrina, is probably like how this team is going to weather an 82-game season. Once the playoffs roll around, I feel pretty confident in a LeBron James and Anthony Davis duo being able to take care of business. But in the regular season, and honestly, just making the playoffs is... I, is going to be a lot harder than I think a lot of people anticipate. Yeah, and I'm I'm surprised people are just chewing in the Lakers for the playoffs, considering we have very recent evidence <laughs> that it's not that easy to make the playoffs in the Western Conference. Right. I mean, the Lakers are on a six-year playoff drought. That is not insignificant. And they had LeBron James last year and a much deeper team. Granted, Anthony Davis is, is better than, like, five of those players put together. I get that. Right. But he's still just one guy. And I keep coming back to the same conclusion that you do, that like I really like what the Lakers could theoretically be in a playoff scenario, but for these first 82 games, it's going to be something of a slog. And it's to the point where like there are maybe five players I trust to play like regular rotation minutes, and that's just not enough <laughs> to get through 82 games. Absolutely. And, uh, and the, the biggest thing that worries me is obviously health um, but even more so than health is just like rest with a lot of these players because i don't know if anybody knows this but lebron james is no longer like on the right side of 30 he looks like it and he plays like it <laughs> but he'll, he'll be 35 in december uh and you know obviously to to use the term coined by um I think it was it was it the Timberwolves that first used load management with Jimmy Butler when that whole trade saga was going on? I don't remember. That sounds right, but or, or was it general soreness? I know general soreness. Oh, was sorry, Jimmy that was Butler. general soreness. Yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> well, with Kawhi Leonard, um, obviously the whole load management situation, we saw how big of a benefit that could be to a player when the postseason rolls around, and mm-hmm. that's when the Lakers are really um, going to be making noise i feel anyway uh but until then i think you know you look at lebron james his body needs some you know r and r and you look at guys like danny green too man like danny green just came off of a championship run with the toronto raptors uh and played deep into june at the age of 32 uh which is fine it's just i don't know if he should be expected to do the same thing like going into the regular season, like do do we expect Danny Green to to guard the best play, the best guard on the opposing team throughout like the eighty two game regular season? I'm not sure, and if he doesn't, I don't know who who will. <laughs> okay, well, like that brings us to a nice starting point here. Who do you think the Lakers will have as their starting five? Oh God, your guess is as good as mine, sister. Um, <laughs> I think that the three you can pencil in right, or sorry, the four you can pencil in right away are uh, Danny Green, LeBron mm-hmm. James, Anthony Davis, and JaVale McGee, assuming Anthony Davis doesn't want to play center, which has been the expectation for quite some time now. Um, that so we're assuming one, that McGee is winning that positional battle against Dwight oh, Howard. Absolutely. I have okay. 
I I am not as low on the Dwight Howard signing than a lot like as a lot of people are because if he's healthy, I don't see how he could be much worse than Tyson Chandler was last season, um, and that's also assuming he is like willing to buy into that Tyson Chandler role. Another mm-hmm. big question mark. Um, but Dwight Howard has had two back surgeries since 2013. Uh, and one as soon as last year. So uh, that is no small thing, even if he has dropped a whole bunch of weight. Um, could he be good in a 15-minute role? Probably, and I'm optimistic that he will be. Uh, but durability is, is the biggest question with me for him. So, yeah, give me JaVale, like JaVale with asthma and pneumonia over whatever version <laughs> of Dwight Howard this is. I also think it really means something to JaVale McGee to be the starter. Like, right. you could tell he took it very personally when Zubach was starting ahead of him, or even when the Lakers had that seriously misguided small ball stretch where <laughs> Kuz and LeBron were the four and five. Right. So, and like, you know, Dwight Howard has theoretically humbled himself coming into this situation, so he shouldn't have any problem coming off of the bench. So just from a purely team chemistry standpoint, I think it makes a lot of sense for JaVale McGee to be the starting center. So I would agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah. and he was legit really good last season. Like, the only player that was able to match his splits from last season was Rudy Gobert. And Rudy Gobert is the reigning defensive player of the year. Like, And I, I understand JaVale McGee isn't Rudy Gobert, um, but in the right role, I think he's a very capable defensive center. Um, not a dream fit next to Anthony Davis, to be clear. Uh, but I think I think he, he's like legitimately good when healthy uh, and when given the opportunity. So the front court between Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, and JaVale McGee, or I should say the center position, I'm very confident in that. I think you can fill out 48 minutes with those three guys at center uh, and then fill in whatever is left at the four with Jared Dudley, Kyle Kuzma, and LeBron James. What I'm very worried about is that point guard position because uh, as as much as Lakers fans have sung the praises of Alex Caruso, and I, I think with some merit, um, he's not a proven commodity by any means, and the guys that are proven commodities aren't like enough for what the Lakers need uh, on most nights in the Western Conference. Yeah, I almost wonder, like, I think Mike Trudell brought this up when he was talking to Laker Film Room the other day, if, like, you just want to have Quinn Cook in that spot just to put as much shooting around that central duo as possible. Right. I mean, like, not that I think Quinn Cook is capable of guarding starting point guards by any stretch of the imagination, but in, like, a closing lineup or something... Do you just issue the point of a point guard altogether and just let you know LeBron go as the one and yeah. put as much spacing around him as possible? But like in the starting lineup, like I think it's going to be Rondo. I've just been trying to mentally prepare myself for the last like four weeks that it's going to be Rondo. And I don't disagree. I think you look at the. I, I think the case for Rondo was took a slight hit when Demarcus Cousins got injured. But you look around the team and just the guys that absolutely adore Rondo, Mm -hmm. you start with LeBron and AD, who are Mm -hmm. like the two surefire starters. Um, And I think with enough 
endorsement from from those two guys. I think it's a, a surefire thing. Rondo's the starting point guard by opening night. Uh, but assuming that isn't true, who would you want to see at that at that one spot, if not Quinn Cook? I'd rather have KCP at that one spot mm-hmm. because I think LeBron will be handling the offensive creation anyway, and I just don't think that there's enough perimeter defense if you start Rondo there. Right. So KCP, even though I know he's not like heralded as a defender or anything, I actually think he does a decent job on ones when he has to guard them. And that's a little more shooting than you would get from Rondo or Bradley. So, I mean, I'm I'm definitely higher on KCP than the average Laker fan. Uh, I don't... <laughs> I'm not really sure why that's the case. He is our longest tenured Laker at this point, right. other than the Luol Deng Capold. But <laughs> that's I I just sad. think like you don't necessarily need the type of point guard who's going to probe and like attack the paint and do that sort of thing. And while that would be nice to have, I think you just need someone who can literally be a three and D player and guard point guards. And that nominally is what KCP was signed for. He's shown that like in flashes over the course mm. of his Lakers tenure. So like maybe even more so like in a closing lineup, I'd prefer KCP in that spot. But it, it's going to be Rondo. Like, let's be clear. It's going <laughs> yeah. to be Rajon Rondo. And honestly, I don't even think it's that big of a deal if Rondo starts the season there because like, let's say it goes well. Yeah. You know, then, you know, obviously that's a good thing. It goes well. Rondo's playing well. You know, he's, his weaknesses are minimized by the fact that he's playing with the best players on the Lakers. And if it doesn't go well, then we have a very early example of why Caruso should be starting ahead of him. Right. You know, just get the bad stuff out of the way early. <laughs> and that's and that's the ideal uh, scenario. And I think, and I've talked to Jacob about this on our show, um, I think the things that coaches love about Rajon Rondo are more... Um, amplified on a young team like Mm -hmm. the intangibles the the leader the lead by example attitude with Mm -hmm. you know him getting guys to watch more film last season and talking on the court i think that's all really good on a young team i think the optimism in me thinking rondo won't get a ton of minutes assuming he doesn't start Mm -hmm. uh or if he just plays himself off the court uh, is the fact that like outside of those intangibles, uh, if we're going to use last season as you know as proof, uh, he doesn't offer a whole lot to an NBA team, and I think Frank Vogel's a smart enough guy um, to recognize that. So I don't know. Again, I, I mean, Vogel's talked about how good Rondo's looked as a shooter in the off season, <laughs> and and from the open gym shooting videos I've seen, uh, I can confirm Rondo looks good shooting with nobody in front of him. Um, but ideally, the type of player you put at the one is is really just a 3 and D guard. And I think the, the hope is that Avery Bradley, being as undersized as he is, can be that guy that defends the other team's best one. Uh, but Avery Bradley was so bad last season. And people point to his time in Memphis as like, uh, you know, all he needed was the right situation. What, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> the Clippers made the playoffs. That was the right situation. That was a good situation, and he made a mess of it. Like, he went out of his way to make a mess of it, which is why I don't, I, I don't buy into, you know, the Avery Bradley Reclamation Project in Los Angeles. 
Yeah, I mean, you and Jacob had me on your podcast when we did that Avery Bradley season preview, and I mean, I I thought that Avery Bradley was the worst signing of the Lakers offseason, including Jason Kidd. So, (laughs) I mean, we don't need to go any further as to why Bradley's, you know, hot jump shooting stretch for seven games in Memphis should just completely erase everything we knew about him from the earlier part of his career. Right. He's also another one of the guys who loves Rondo, by the way. He said that was part of the yeah. <laughs> what sealed was, the deal he, to him to come to the Lakers. He was his vet. Yeah, he was his vet <laughs> in Boston. To your point about KCP, I think the reason you like, and, and I share the same thought, mm-hmm. is that for the most part, you know what you're getting from KCP like throughout the season. For better or for worse, he's been wildly inconsistent for his career. Like mm-hmm. You look at the last five seasons, his per 36 numbers, he's always averaged more than 14 points per game on 30% shooting uh, from three and like above 40% shooting uh, from the field, which isn't great. Like Those numbers <laughs> aren't going to get him any all-star votes. Um, but with KCP in, in, in the role you put him in, you always know what you're going to get. Uh, does that mean you know you're going to get you know nightmarish dribbles and transition and um, sporadic shooting from beyond the three-point line? Absolutely. Uh, but it also means like you know you're going to get somebody that isn't afraid to take those three-point shots, can knock them down with some consistency and just the guy that's active on defense, whether or not you know the metrics back up that he's a very good defender, um, he's always moving and, and, and engaged. So to that point, I, I do agree that KCP does have some value as a player. Uh, and with the premium, like I don't love the premium the Lakers had to pay for him because he was one of the few wing defenders left on the market when they signed him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, do, I don't think it was a bad decision to bring him back the more I think about it. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and it, it's funny. Like, I don't think enough has made been made of just how bad KCP is as a transition player. Right. Yeah. He's <laughs> just one of like the objectively worst transition players I've ever seen. Yeah, he's, he just he's does God the awful. stupidest stuff. Right. Yeah. Not, not even just as like attacking the basket. Like, if you ask him to make a play in transition, Lord help it's you. Impossible. It's e- yeah, it's either he's passing it to JaVale McGee who you just throw the ball up and JaVale will catch it mm-hmm. or it's a turnover like it's one of those things so yeah what's interesting is that KCP and Danny Green I think are like two of the worst perimeter players I've ever seen in transition <laughs> yeah. and like theoretically like LeBron James should thrive on having like good players around him in transition but maybe that's an argument just for slowing the game down because You're right. <laughs> we do not exactly have the personnel on the Lakers this season to thrive in and Run and gun environment. Uh, I'm just, I'm just thinking about this game that KCP had against Boston, the first three <laughs> he was on the Lakers, and right. just some of the threes that he took on the break were just. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's the goal with with Vogel at the helm is to have a more organized offense. I think the goal from the start with Luke was we're gonna play defense until we can't anymore, uh, and by playing defense, we'll take what the what the opposing defense gives us uh and that worked for a little bit but i mean i think at some point you need to be able to slow things down and drop a play and you know get points that way which is probably the the most frustrating thing about the the whole luke walton era in los angeles and hopefully having vogel will counteract that right and i would say that 
maybe like the second most frustrating thing about the Luke Walton era was his inability to stagger his best players. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we're at a point where Frank Vogel understands that LeBron James or Anthony Davis should be on the court for 48 minutes. Like right. none of these lineups that you can put without those two players on them have a chance of surviving. It, okay. So for the sake of argument, we'll assume mm-hmm. KCP, Danny Green, LeBron James, let's, Anthony Davis. Let's da- assume Rondo. Okay, <laughs> okay. Let's assume Rondo then because I, I agree that's probably the more likely scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, assuming those five guys are your starting lineup, uh, what does a second unit look like or, or what is um, a, a staggered second unit look like uh, assuming LeBron isn't the one that's playing the bulk of, of the minutes at the three? So I was thinking like LeBron gets that halfway through the first quarter sub. Yeah. And then you put him back out at the start of the second quarter with just like a five shooter lineup. Mm-hmm. So like Dudley, uh, Kuzma, Cook, and KCP. Mm-hmm. But I don't know where that leaves like Dwight Howard or. Right. Um, I'm sure there are other players I'm forgetting. I'm Troy Daniels is not going to play. <laughs> and uh, Taylor Horton Tucker probably is going to spend most of his time in South Bay. Definitely. Oh, my God. I felt so terrible. So uh, the the Lakers were all at that Aces game the other day, right? Uh, yeah. And uh, LeBron and Anthony Davis and Quinn Cook, you know, all walked in together. And they were sitting courtside. And then there were two seats. And then there was Dwight Howard. And I was like, why are there two seats in between them and Dwight Howard? And a bunch of people were like, that was Taylor Horton Tucker in between. I was yeah. like, oh, yeah. whoops. <laughs> it was one guy between those two groups. Yeah. And I know a lot of people on Twitter made it a big deal that Dwight, who is roughly the same age as LeBron James, just wasn't sitting there all buddy-buddy with him. Um, I don't know how much you should read into that. But, yeah, I, thought, I, I also thought that was a little weird. I just... I couldn't believe that I couldn't recognize a real life Laker in the wild. <laughs> oh no, you wanna you wanna talk about me feeling guilty, and it's to a lesser extent, I, I guess. They're both rookies, but I went to go cover um, the two K twenty launch party. Okay. And uh, one of the somebody was walking on the red carpet, and whatever he's walking by, and he walks through the entire red carpet without a without a question. I was like, oh, my God, he looks so familiar. And I feel like I should have asked him a question. Uh, and it's Mattis Seibel, the, the guy that oh, 76ers the used, okay. yeah, yeah, used their pick on. And I was like, man, I, could, I probably could have just gotten a one-on-one with him and nobody yeah. would have cared. I just didn't recognize him in time. So I feel you on that. Yeah. So that's uh, if we get back to the rotation for a second. Uh, yeah. Okay, so the Lakers are carrying 15 right now, but DeMarcus is one of them, right? So they're basically carrying 14. Right. That means that, you know, I didn't even include Caruso in that lineup, did I? Oh, no, you didn't, Jesus. which means we are going to get nothing but hate. <laughs> it, like, I hope you, you I hope you didn't say you're at in this pod. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm assuming a lot of people follow you, but you better hope they don't. Because if they hear us talking about... Lakers lineup without including Caruso. That's sacrilegious in the Lakers community these days. I, it's so impressive how much this guy's stock has risen in the last like three months, just over the off season. Like it's one thing like while if like while he's playing, you know, like his stock rises, but like his 
the amount his profile rose like in April <laughs> when he was actually like dunking on dudes is nothing compared to how much it rose in August when he was doing nothing. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it's because he ended the season on such a hot note. Like that people are really the excited. Was yeah, so much fun. <laughs> I think people are just really excited to see if like he can keep it up, and like all signs point to him being a good NBA player for as long as he can be. Like, yeah, does he have? A super tight handle, and is he efficient in the pick and roll? Probably not. But mm-hmm. can he knock down open three pointers and close out with poster dunks? Yes. And that's yeah. the kind of basketball, casual basketball fans like. It's almost better than like if Vogel continues to sort of protect him just by making him the backup point guard so mm-hmm. he doesn't have to go up against the best point guard defenders and he doesn't have to go up against the best lineups because right. he could just look really good in those backup minutes and have a chance to develop in a natural progression rather than going from 20 minutes of garbage games, you know, 20 games of garbage games to, like, title contender with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Like, there's got to be some sort of middle ground for him to grow his game. And maybe that's him being the backup point guard, even though we all seem to like his fit better among the starters. Yeah, because even his breakout game against the Clippers, if you want to call it that, um, Patrick Beverly wasn't playing that night. Like, I don't know. I, I honestly, off the top of my head, I don't know who the starting one was that night. For the Clippers? Yeah. That's probably Shea. Mm. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, yeah, but uh, <laughs> whoever they I, put in front of him is getting cooked this year, including <laughs> Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly's talking about having the night off. Come on. Patrick Beverly was back. even like clapping back on Twitter when someone was saying that he wasn't defending Caruso. He's like, I was on the other guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jamario Jones also cooked him that game. I miss him. Yeah. R.I.P. Jamario Jones. <sighs> Not actually, but I, mean, I really hope in the Wizards keep him. I, they have no choice. I mean, look at their roster. I think they they have, especially if Isaiah Thomas is going to miss the first part of the season. The, the Wizards and the Hornets are both in the conversation for worst team in the NBA next season. I, like I was uh, listening to like the Dunked On podcast where they were previewing the Wizards season, and both like Fred Katz and Mike Brader were with, like, "We don't know if Jamaria is going to make the roster. Like, they don't seem that what? enamored with him." That's which is is that, stupid. Yeah, that's ludicrous. Jamaria, he he's like. Um, I was going to say he's like the non-shooting version of Lonzo, but Lonzo, I guess, is it's the non-shooting version of Lonzo. Yeah. But he's, I mean, I'd rather have Jamario Jones than Isaac Bonga. No offense right. to, you know, Isaac Bonga, but... I completely agree. I like, genuinely, I, I like the Grizzlies more than I like both the Hornets and Wizards, which is It's just a something. shame that they're also in the Western Conference yeah. and are going to win, like, 13 <laughs> games as a result. Yeah. So, the, the biggest hole for me in the second unit, outside mm-hmm. of the backup point guard position, because I feel like once they fill, once they figure out who the starting point guard are, uh, sorry, is... Mm-hmm. Um, the point guard rotation starts to take shape a little more, and you find out, you know, who you stagger lineups with, um, you know, who you plug into the three and the four, who moves up. Um, but even more so than than the starting point guard position is that backup three position for me, because if Kyle Kuzma can't defend like the big wings for the life of him, mm-hmm. Lakers are going to be in big, big trouble. Yeah, especially because LeBron James doesn't really play defense during the regular season either. Right. So I'm with you. Like, that wing defense is just a giant hole on this roster that, like, I mean, I know, like, Justin Holiday wasn't the answer, but it was a 
a better stab at the answer than Avery Bradley. Yeah. <laughs> I think even uh, you look at Tabo Cephalosha. I know. He I just went back had, like on a minimum to Houston, didn't he? Yeah. And I think he was like a pretty effective player last year. I don't know why it took, it, I, I guess, health uh, and age. But, I mean, I thought he would have been a fine addition uh, at that wing, at that three spot. Um, yeah, Mello's I've not had the answer, like a list of think. free agents, you know, on one of those stickies on my laptop for the yeah. last three months, and like currently it's just like Jonas Jerebko, you know, Kenneth Fareed, <laughs> Iman Shumpert, Carmelo uh, Anthony, Luol Deng. Carmelo is not on it actually. <laughs> I well, don't know if the Lakers are actually allowed to employ Luol Deng anymore because they stretched him. I don't know how the mechanics of that work. I'm just going to assume uh, that, like, he's not allowed to be a Laker anymore. Yeah. Oh, I'm trying to think. That's a really good question. The The Rockets traded Ryan Anderson? They traded Anderson, Anderson right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was trying to figure out because I know they just signed him to yeah, so I guess... what, what Shams <laughs> called a, a significantly <laughs> partial guarantee, which is just don't kick a guy while he's down. Just say a partial <laughs> guarantee. I thought that was so funny. I mean, I guess, like, the only person really left on my list who makes any sense is Quincy Pondexter. Yeah. Um, who's, like, he's a player, you know? Mm-hmm. He was on the Spurs last year. It was fine. You know, I feel like he has a greater path to success on this team than anybody else on that list. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, like... Like I said, you know, like my ideal was that LeBron, you know, steps out after six minutes and hubs that bench lineup. But like, who plays those six minutes when he's not there, right? Like, are we suggesting that Kuz is the backup small forward? Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, Dudley can't really guard threes anymore, right? He's more of a four-five defender. Yeah, he hasn't. I I've pulled this stat up before in my stories, but I think the last time Jared Dudley has spent the bulk of his minutes at the small forward position was the 2012-13 season um mm. yeah it was the 2000 or sorry 2014 with uh 2013-14 with the Clippers and he spent 90% of his time uh at the small forward position which by the way was also bad that year yeah <laughs> <laughs> you look at the Clippers and that that experiment to to try and fill that three spot with Jared Dudley Wesley Johnson, Paul Pierce, Jeff Green, just Matt like Barnes, so many, yeah. Lance Stevenson, so many times. It eventually just, just ended up being Austin Rivers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I know the the pipe dream is the Grizzlies eventually buy out Andre Iguodala, mm-hmm. um, and he's their guy. But I think more realistically. The Grizzlies buy out or trade Solomon Hill to another team. Solomon Hill gets bought out, and the Lakers take a look at him. Like, that's genuinely the only person on the hmm. Grizzlies, I think, uh, would end up on the Lakers. Cause, I had not considered that. That's an idea. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't know if it's a good idea. Um, well, it's Solomon so f- Hill had his best season in Indiana playing under Frank Vogel. Right. Yeah. That's so, what earned him that mega contract from New Orleans. <laughs> and then... <laughs> It's so f- good, but if the Lakers sign Solomon Hill, they will then have DeMarcus Cousins, Rajon Rondo, and Anthony Davis on the roster along with Solomon Hill, which is basically the team Alvin Gentry carried to the playoffs uh, all those years ago. So, 
it seems so like all funny. those years ago it was two years ago like not yeah. even <laughs> not even two full calendar years we're just talking like a year and a half that was in the postseason anthony davis was laying wreck to the portland trailblazers anthony davis is really good at basketball which is yeah. what honestly this all comes back to when you look at any source of optimism with the lakers it's lebron james and anthony davis like right. the rest of the roster, you just hope they can fill their roles and, and do their jobs. But I mean, at least 32, 33 minutes of Anthony Davis and LeBron James will win you some games in the Western Conference. Doesn't matter who who they're going up against. I think I think that's you know a, a pretty solid two solid <laughs> building blocks to have on your roster. Yeah, I think Davis is going to have to go a little bit higher during the regular season. Yeah, especially because I just assume that he's going to have a couple of those nicks and knacks that knock him out for a week or so. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he's getting you know upwards of seventy games. So he's going to have to hit like thirty six, thirty eight minutes at least. The 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 optimism also stems from the fact that I mean it has to do with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. But you look at just around the Western Conference, guys that can guard LeBron James and Anthony mm-hmm. Davis. There's not many. Like There's like Draymond Green. And that's it. But he has to pick one of them. And you look at Golden Golden State's forward I guess depth. Looney could guard Anthony Davis. Yeah, I'm not super sold on that. I yeah, mean, I'm just saying like that's, uh, yeah. and that's assuming as close as you get. Assuming their starting lineups are closing lineup, you look at, you know, who's guarding threes on the Warriors roster. If oh, yeah. Clay isn't healthy, it's like... Glenn Robinson the third, Alfonso McKinney, and then Alec Burks, which good luck. But it's also like who guards Steph? Yeah. Yo, and like, that's is Rondo the counter- guarding Steph? Yeah. That's the counter argument for almost every team in the Western Conference. I mean, the Lakers have the worst starting backcourt of any contender in the Western Conference by a lot. Yeah, and like Houston, I feel like almost worries me the least because you put Green on Harden. And the guy who's guarding Westbrook, you just kind of suck him into the paint. Right. And just play off of him, making him into a jump shooter. But, like, the Clippers, you know, what, does Green guard Leonard? Then LeBron guards George? Or do we flip that? Yeah. That's, like, LeBron and, is going to have ugh. to do some heavy lifting against these backcourts. Like, it's going to be tough. I was like, I, Denver worries me more than other teams because, like, you could put Millsap on LeBron and Jokic on Anthony Davis, and Anthony Davis doesn't like battling against those big guys. <laughs> he just yeah, doesn't. Yeah, and I, that's where I think, I mean, he's not as big as he used to be, but I think that's where you look at the Dwight signing and, and try to make sense of it. It's just having a big body to throw at guys like Jokic. And when I say guys like Jokic, I really mean just Jokic because there is no one <laughs> like him. I mean, and I guess beat, you could, let's say. Yeah, oh, oh, God. And the 76ers, I was going to say, the 76ers are probably the only team that match up well um, with the Lakers in, like, three through five with Tobias. Right, because they're just Horford, so big. Yeah. yeah. So, I have no idea. Do you think no Vogel's going to be one of those coaches that, like, tweaks his starting lineup based on the matchup? Like, I kind of uh, liked how Nick Nurse did that in Toronto where he rotated Ibaka and Valanchunas depending on, you know, whether there was a rangier center or a bulkier center that they were going up against. I mean, less so when they had Gasol because he could handle all of those matchups. But yeah. like, I, I wonder he, if there's like a timeshare option, you know, 
at the center or at the point guard, just depending on what the Lakers think they need in that particular day. Right. And I think that's the ideal situation. Um, I know Luke Walton got himself into trouble last season by like sticking with his starting lineup too long. And I hope Vogel doesn't fall into like the same mistake. I think Anthony Davis is going to find out he's going to be playing center much more than he'd like to um, <laughs> at the beginning of the regular season. Because I I don't know there aren't too many like floor spacing centers in the NBA, but there are enough for the Lakers to have to to make those adjustments on a night to night basis. Um, yeah, I just think that so much of the Laker roster has very specific strengths and similarly specific weaknesses. Yeah, that Vogel's just going to have to be creative in how he tailors their minutes. And I don't know how he's going to do that. Like again. Going back to that three spot, like, what? I I genuinely don't know what they're going to do. If Kuzma can't do it, I guess. He might guess. have to go small at times, you know? Right. With like KCP, at the, with KCP three. at the three. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. I don't like that at all. Because there are, there are teams that are a little deeper at the wing than the Lakers. Um, just with big bodies. Not even, like, capable players. But even the Hornets, man. Like, the Hornets... I'm not scared about the Hornets. Right. <laughs> I'm not, not scared going. about the Hornets either. But, like, even the Hornets have forward depth. They have, like, Nick Batum, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, Marvin Williams. Uh, they have guys that can plug in at the three. The Lakers don't even have that. And that worries I me a little Nick bit. I think Nick Batum is literally on the same level as KCP at this point in his career. <laughs> I See, I don't know. I don't know. I, I am a... I, running low on water on Nick Batum Island, but I, I think if you put him in the right situation, I think he's still a valuable player. It's just yeah, that's the, problem the Hornets with that aren't ridiculous five-year contract he signed that <laughs> no one's going to touch with a ten-foot pole. Right, and I think the Hornets aren't a great situation for anyone, but especially not for Nick Batum. Um, I my Western Conference projections that I made at the beginning of this month, I have the Sacramento Kings eighth in the Western Conference in that wow. final playoff spot. Yeah, I'm super high on them. I think they're going to be even really good Even with Luke Walton season. as their head coach? Yeah, yeah, even with Luke Walton as their wow. head coach. That's how high I am on them. I think Marvin <laughs> Bagley is just going to be so good, and mm. I think Darren Fox is only going to get better. Uh, but the point I'm making is if they're the eighth seed, like, of the playoff teams in the Western Conference, I, I would take Darren Fox and Buddy Heald over Danny Green and... Insert point guard here, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that's worrisome to me a little bit. Yeah, but, I mean, you also look at every team in the Western Conference and think I would take LeBron James and Anthony Davis over any forward combination, right? Yeah. So the Lakers have put their best resources into, like, an unconventional part of the lineup, but it still is better than everybody else, right? Like, it works. Yeah. They got the two best players among the forwards in the Western Conference. Yeah, which is very exciting. I don't yeah. know how they're going to look, but I think they're going to look really, really good. Um, it's just they have to they have to make it through the regular season. Um, when when looking at the Western Conference and taking into account Frank Vogel as the new head coach, the Lakers adding, I think it ended up being eight new players to the roster. Um where do you have them finishing in the Western Conference? I think I have them, like, fourth. Uh, uh, behind who? 
the Clippers, mm-hmm. the Rockets, and the Nuggets. Yeah, I have, I have maybe behind the Jazz as well, but I'm not bullish on how that's going to work out. Right, I am higher on the Jazz than most, so I have, I have the Lake. I actually have the Lakers at six. Okay. Um, behind the Clippers, Nuggets, Jazz, Rockets, and Blazers. Blazers, okay. Yeah, I, I don't feel super confident about that pick. I just. It's probably just recency bias from how good Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum looked in the playoffs. Like they were yeah. so good, and um, I don't know. I'm I just gonna think miss there's... Brandon Ingram guarding Damian Lillard. <laughs> that was a nice little tool in our back pocket there. I think they're going to be good too. I think the Pel- the Pelicans are going to be all right. Don't know if they'll make the playoffs. Actually, I take that back. I know they're not going to make the playoffs. <laughs> um, because that, I mean, Derek Favors is their center, which is fine, I guess. It's just it's fine, yeah. Derek Favors and Zion Williamson as a front court, and Brandon Ingram. Where, where's the shooting? Where Where do you get? I uh, assume you of JJ start Redick. JJ instead yeah. of Lonzo at the two, mm-hmm. and so you go Drew Reddick Ingram. Even then, like, uh, Reddick. Drew's oh, a decent shooter. Yeah. Drew, what did he shoot? I think I think he shot like thirty six percent from three last season. That's I know good. it wasn't great. Uh, no, actually, he shot thirty two point five. Yikes! Um, yeah, so <laughs> largely overstated, I think. Um, but yeah, Ingram, Zion, and Favors. I don't. I don't know. They're gonna play fast. They're gonna get a lot of points that way. And defensively, I think they're gonna be stout. Like you put Lonzo. Drew and Ingram, who made some strides Oof. on that end. Yeah. That's going to be rough. But and just letting Zion roam. <laughs> Oof. If, if you had to put your money on what the Lakers are going to hang their hat on next season, would you say it's going to be offense or defense? Defense. Why is that? Um, because they have a lot of long guys, and Vogel is a defensive coach. Yeah. And so is um, Lionel Hollins. Like, I don't know what Lionel Hollins is at this point in yeah, his career. It's it's been so long. But it's I'm, nice that he's here. You know, he ends <laughs> he lends like some sort of credibility to the Lakers staff that I right. think was missing. But I don't I've haven't been impressed with anything he's done since like two thousand thirteen in Memphis. And that was a long time ago. Yeah. He it, also like was ousted for Jason Kidd at some point. I the <laughs> like the, the personality or like the the political machinations that could happen on this coaching staff are so strange. Oh yeah, I have uh, my my worries with the coaching staff are are. I'm sorry, my worries with the relationship between the roster and the coaching staff are probably greater than my actual fears with the roster. Because mm-hmm. my biggest argument for Ty Lue when all of that was going on is, hey, if you hire LeBron's guy. You know, the narrative will be it's LeBron's guy. They're going to work it out. Um, Mm -hmm. And you have somebody in LeBron's year. They did not hire LeBron's guy. They had (laughs) Frank Vogel. Well, Um, luckily, Jason Kidd is one of LeBron's guys. Oh, okay. Exactly. Which makes things so much weirder. I I tweeted the other day. um, 
that Frank Vogel is just going to be on the outside while LeBron and Jason Kidd draw the the play to close he the game out. He probably can't even get even money like on the odds that Jason Kidd is the coach at the end of the season. Like he's probably the favorite at this point. Yeah, probably. It's which terrifies me. But I mean, if the goal is just to keep LeBron James happy, I think that's the way to do it. Um, and I think in order for Vogel and LeBron to get along, they have to get off to a roaring start. To the point where LeBron's like, yeah, I'm, I'm having my minutes managed. Like, I'm playing the lowest minutes I've played in my career, but we're still doing really well, and I respect Vogel for that. I just, with how new the roster is and everything they have to learn, like, jam-pack uh, until October, I just do not see them. Just, I just don't see things going swimmingly right from the start, which is, I think, what needs to happen in order for Vogel to have his job in February. But I guess what's lucky for the Lakers is that so many other teams in the West are dealing with that lack of continuity. Mm. Like, I know people keep saying that the Clippers just, you know, plugged in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Shea and Gallinari started almost every game this season for that team. Right. Like that is not an insignificant departure. Uh, on the the Jazz, right? Like, Mike Conley's new starting point guard. Both their starting power forwards gone, right? In Portland, their entire forward rotation has been, you know, swapped out. Golden State, like... Everybody's gone other than Steph and Draymond. And in Houston, like, having Russell Westbrook fundamentally shifts the entire way you run that offense, right? So the Lakers aren't the only team that are going to have these growing pains in the West, which is kind of the only thing that gives me comfort going forward is that everybody will take some time to figure themselves out. So they shouldn't be that far behind the learning curve. Yeah. uh, My only argument against that, though, is, like, every team – that made the playoffs in the Western Conference last season, unless I'm misremembering, um, is going to have their coach from last season. Um, and, like, I think I, I wrote a story on it the other day. Like, four out of the eight teams that made the playoffs in the Western Conference last season are going to have three of their five starters back. Um, and the Lakers are going to have two, assuming, like, Kuzma Depends how you classify bench. Rondo. Yeah. Oh, oh God. You, you keep bringing that up, and I don't like it. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I think continuity does play a really big role in this league, and I think there's no better example of that uh, than the continued success the Spurs have had. Like I did not expect the Spurs to make the playoffs last season, and they did. And I think. If the Kings don't play it right, the Spurs are probably going to sneak up on them and, you know, take one of those playoff spots with DeJounte Murray and Derek White. And Derek White, if we're being honest, should probably should have made an all-defensive team last season. So, I don't know. I don't know what the Western Conference looks like. I just know it scares me. Yeah. If From LeBron James were still in Cleveland and we were rooting for, like, the Cleveland version of the Lakers, I would be t- planning a final strip already. Right. Yeah. But alas, we're in the West, and this is how the world works. <laughs> Do you think as a nation, as a people, we are underrating the Rockets as a legitimate title contender? I mean, I, I think the Rockets are easily conference semis or further. Yeah. Know? So I, I'm not one that's underrating them. I think their only problem was the Warriors, and that's not really a problem anymore. Yeah, and which I hope it isn't. I mean, they could always flip D'Angelo Russell for 
somebody at the trade deadline. I just don't know who's who's available. Yeah, it's just, you know, losing Durant, losing Iguodala, losing Livingston, that's so much of a core of their identity. Like, it, you can't yeah. make up all of that just by flipping D'Angelo Russell. Right. I feel like <laughs> the the, um, the avenues they took to dump Iggy aren't, like, just isn't talked enough about. Like, the it's amount so they gave up. It's so strange to me that they, yeah, exactly, that they they gave up picks or a first round pick with Kevin Durant right. to get D'Angelo Russell, which forced them to lose Iguodala as well. Like it, it's stunning. Yeah, doesn't make sense. But anyway, I, I feel like that's yeah. going to be the theme of this NBA season: is that not a lot makes sense. <laughs> but Especially I'm not in the Western it. Conference. Yeah, I'm here for it. Anyway, thank you so much, Christian, for taking the time here instead of Sasha. It's been a delight. Yeah. yeah. I would I would be happy to be here instead of Sasha whenever you need me. Um, and yeah, this is this is fun. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, this is our last podcast pre training camp. So hopefully, you know, next time we have Isle of Basketball, there'll be some real stuff to talk about. I'm looking forward yep. to it. There will be basketball to love. All right. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the Silver Screen Roll Podcast Network. We've got Lakers shows every day of the week now into training camp. It's here. So. Have a nice weekend, guys. Thanks for listening.